Welcome, everyone, to episode 301 of Fergan Freak. I'm your host, the glorious League Freak, and today I am joined by the lovely CEO of Fluffy Hoodie Studios, Nadine. How are you? Hello, how are you? I'm pretty good. What have you been up to? Um, Work, sadly. Yeah. And trying to keep on top of the Twitter sphere with, you know, Michael Slater, Stuart McGill, just what's happening with cricket. The whole sport I, is imploding. I know, right? I thought it was the cricket off-season. What are they <laughs> all doing? I thought this drama queen shit that the cricketers, you know, play up to, that's supposed to happen in summer when oh. I'm ignoring them. They feel like they're surfers, you know, chasing that endless summer. Mm, <laughs> it's mm. always cricket season. I'm over it. Exactly. But um, other than that, doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing really well. And the, I wanted to bring you on today because we wanted to, to talk about the future of Matt Burton. And I yes. wanted to do it in the most balanced way possible. So two Panthers fans talking about what Matt Burton should do. It's going to be interesting to see what we think he should do. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, Matt Burton, there's been no suggestion that he's actually going to renege on his deal to go to the Bulldogs next year. He's been pretty rock solid that he's going there. The Panthers have kind of said they'd like to keep him at the club if they could, but it's not like they're really pushing it too hard. But with how well he's playing in the centres, and, like, he just looks like a natural centre, there's a real interesting dynamic with his young career that I wanted to talk about on the podcast because here you've got a young bloke that probably coming to this season thinking he was one of two backup five eights for the Panthers. Mm-hmm. In uh, Dane Laurie was the other one. Dane Laurie moved to the West Tigers, and all of a sudden Matt Burton's found himself being the starting centre for the Panthers, absolutely killing it. And I have a feeling he's going to become talked about as a possible origin centre. And if that happens, I feel as though it changes the dynamic of does he go to the Bulldogs for what I don't think is going to be a huge amount of money. I think it's just going to be he mainly went there for the start and a decent amount of money. Or does he look to stay at the Panthers and try and renegotiate a contract there? Um, And it's it's an interesting one for a young man, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and um, there's been quite a lot of discussion, obviously, right from pre-season or, you know, from when Burton signed the contract around, is this the best decision for for him? Um, And certainly over the last few weeks, what we have seen is his week-to-week development has been through the roof. Um, You know, there's been a lot of discussions around, you know, his running lines as a centre, are some of the best in the game, and he's not even a centre. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's what we've seen him do is absolutely ridiculous. His combination with Luai and Kikau has been amazing um, and really out of necessity, um, you know, through injury and now through um, suspension with uh, Momorowski and um, Naden and, uh, and, and obviously Edwards being injured and Crichton going to full-back for the early part of the season. So 
Um, you know, it does beg the question, which, you know, I saw this on Twitter a couple of days ago from the lovely Nat Sinclair, so I won't take credit for it because it's not mine, but it, the, the question was definitely posed, if you're a player at any stage, do you stay at a really good team for less money knowing that there is genuine opportunity for you to grow, learn, develop, potentially win a comp or two? Or do you chase the cash? And obviously there's a lot of personal circumstance and, and choice that needs to go into that. But for somebody mm. of Burton's age, irrespective of the fact that your preferred starting position is in the halves, I would think that you would need to be seriously reconsidering the opportunities being provided for you at Penrith, given what has happened in the last few weeks. So, mm. you know, and if all the the noise is true around potentially Cleary, well, definitely Cleary, but potentially Luar being called into the New South Wales squad, you know, there's a guaranteed half position for, you know, those games. Um, you know, you need somebody who can slot into those roles in the event of injury and, you know, and or suspension as well. So, um, yes, there is an embarrassment of riches in terms of depth with Penrith at the moment, but if I'm Matt Burton, I would seriously be reconsidering, is that the best option for my career long term? Yeah, and it like the other thing about it too is that I can understand him wanting to play in the halves in his preferred position, but the way he is playing as a centre, it's not like he is just shoved out there and he, he's filling a role. Like he's doing playmaking as a centre. Mm-hmm. He's making all of the players around him better. And mm-hmm. the players that are around him really suit his style of game. It's, you know, it's been a real revelation the way that he's playing. And so it's not like if he, if he stayed as a centre, he's going to be underutilised. Like it's, it's just not like that at all. And as you say, like, do you stay in a good team? And, and like all of this, I wonder if all of this goes out the window if Penrith wins a premiership. Because if he can say, look, I'm a young player, I want to play 5-8, I was willing to play centre, but I've won my premiership now so I can go and make money after this, you know. Mm, mm. But it's not it's not every day that a young player gets a chance to develop into a great young team like this Panthers team is. And, you know, to leave leave the situation he's in, which is a good situation, to go to the Bulldogs where, you know, I know they're trying to build things up, but it's a long way from where Penrith are at right now. It must be something he considers, especially when you think about, like, it's not like he's going to the Bulldogs on a million-dollar contract. Mm. And if the Panthers are able to come back and offer him a reasonably-sized contract that, you know, equals what the Bulldogs were going to give him, it would be very hard to leave, I would think. Yeah, it is it is a fascinating one, um, and for a number of reasons, especially given, I think, the players that the Bulldogs are, have currently recruited and who they are potentially looking at targeting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, Naden is going there next year, Um Addo Carr, they've got Kotrick uh, at the moment. They're still lacking a decent hooker. They're still lacking really a decent forward pack. Mm-hmm. 
and without that, it doesn't matter how good all your halves and your outside backs are, you know, it's just not enough. Yeah. Um, and how much will that stifle not only the confidence but the development of all of these young players? Um, and I just wonder about, you know, is the culture at the Bulldogs at the moment, and it's not going to change significantly enough between now and next season or when pre-season starts, is that going to be enough to be able to nurture Burton? Is it going to be enough to nurture Naden? Like Naden needs a lot of hand-holding, um, let's mm-hmm. be honest, given his personal circumstances. Um, and I just don't know how Addo Carr fits into that either. It, it feels a little bit um, Tiger-esque in regards to um, – not having an overall strategy of what they're trying to build. Yeah, I, I like they they keep getting outside backs, and I, I agree with you. Like, there's their forward pack should be what they're building. Um, and look, I, it's a it's a long term goal to rebuild that club because it was absolutely decimated by the previous management and previous coach, but. Um, well, not the previous coach who was Dean Pay, but the coach before him. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I guess on the flip side for Burton, there is the opportunity to be the man at his own club, but that also comes with a lot of baggage as well. Like mm-hmm. I think that with players like Addo Carr and you look at somebody like a Kotrick who's there this year, you know, there's a completely different expectation on Matt Burton. Matt Burton's supposed to turn up next year and be the star playmaker of that team and really change the way that they're playing football. And that might be a challenge that he wants. That might be the carrot for him that, you know, you might say to him, look, you can play in the centres for Penrith. You can get the exact same amount of money. He might say, I want to I go to a club that and change it myself. That might be the thing that motivates him. But it, there's so many different things that, he has to consider, and I just find those situations really interesting. And we saw uh, Xavier Coates yesterday. Mm. He he went from being at the Broncos, where I suggest he I like I think everyone thought he'd be one of those players that played like ten years for the Broncos. He signs for the Melbourne Storm. I'd be shocked if it was for any more money than he could have got at Brisbane. But you kind of look at that move for Coates, and you're like, well, for his football, that is revolutionary Mm -hmm. nothing short of revolutionary for him and really like with the the development that they've got for not just their juniors but their senior players at melbourne you kind of automatically think well xavier coates he's going to be the test winger very very soon and he could be a test winger for 10 years and it just felt like it was a really good move for him and because he you know he got out of what is a not a bad situation for him at the Broncos, but just a bad club situation. And he's going to a team where he might end up with, you know, two or three premierships by the time his contract there ends. Yeah, that's, um, I think that's a really good signing for both the Storm as a club and Coates as an individual. I think Mm. that that's one of those signings that will be mutually beneficial um, all around. What I also liked about that signing is, Nobody saw it coming because mm. it really irritates me, <laughs> like really irritates me. I cannot stress that enough. 
when player managers, and I will say player managers because the players, I, I find it hard to believe players would like this scenario. Yeah. Play out contract negotiations in the media. Mm-hmm. It irritates me beyond all means. It, it, I, I just, it doesn't serve anybody's purpose other than their own because they're obviously looking for their payday as well. Um, and it doesn't do anybody any good. It makes the players look like they're money hungry, you know, grubs. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes clubs look like, oh well, why don't you want to pay that person that amount? I mean, look at the Adam Reynolds situation. Yeah. Um. You know, and, and obviously that was leaked to the media in an effort to get Souths to come to the table. Now, Souths have got clearly got a strategy. Whatever that is, who knows? Yeah. Um, rightly or wrongly, they clearly have a vision for what they want. And Adam Reynolds does not fit into that vision for longer than 12 months, let's be honest, um, mm-hmm. irrespective of the, the two-year deal. It's really a one-year deal. You know, so they're, they're obviously got their own thought process um, and you can't begrudge an organisation having a vision for what they want for the future. And I would rather that than hodgepodge signings like we see usually from the Tigers, like what we're seeing from um, the Bulldogs, what we're seeing a little bit from the Broncos and the Cowboys as well, which is, you know, oh, they're available, let's sign them and we'll figure it all out yeah. after the fact. So, um yeah, so uh, I've got no issues with that. I've also got no issues with players wanting to do what is what they feel is best for them. Yeah. And if that is taking less money to stay at a club, if that is reneging on a deal, so be it. You know, situations change, people change, and, uh, you know, a contract now, we've seen it time and time again, is not worth the paper that it's printed on. Mm-hmm. Um you know, everyone is breaking contracts. Clubs will break the contracts with players. Players will break the contracts with clubs, you know, throw coaches into the mix there as well. And, you know, when Burton signed that contract with the Dogs, yes, he had every intention of, you know, staying true to that. But circumstances change. You know, I could sign on to go and work for somebody else today, but by the time I am supposed to start that contract, my personal circumstances could change. Yeah. And- you know, and I think that I think that this is – there's no loyalty in league anymore. There's, you know, that's been dead for a really long time. And whilst we like to romanticise about, you know, loyalty and one club players and all that kind of stuff, and there is a there is a um, real beautiful nature around those kinds of stories. Mm-hmm. They're few and far between. It's a business. It's a multi-billion dollar business. And everybody needs to make the best decisions for themselves at that point in time. And I've, I've got no problems with it but I would really love it to not happen in such a public space all the time. Yeah, and, I like, I don't think – I mean, there are some people that do. I'm not one of them that begrudges the players getting as much money as possible. Like, Chad Townsend is a great example of, like, he's a, an, a player that's probably signing the last big deal of his career – you know, his career is not going great at the moment in terms of his on-field success. And if somebody offers him a whack of money to go and play out his career, take it. Like, grab it with both hands. Um, I don't think any, anyone begrudges a play for doing that. But, like, one of the things that I haven't liked in the last few days, you see a player like Josh Hodgson at the mm. Canberra Raiders and... You know, there's talk that 
he is being chopped around a little bit that the Broncos might be interested in him, which I don't know why they would be, but that was what was going around. Um, he stepped down from the Canberra captaincy, which was a bit of a weird decision, and the timing was strange. And it just felt like, you know, it was another player that Canberra had to deal with a weird contract situation with. And, you know, that's not helping them try and get their season on track. Um, we saw it with a lot of players at the Tigers over the years where, mm-hmm. you know, it just turned into a circus with some of the players that were there in their contract situations. Um, and, yeah, it doesn't endear players to fans, which obviously, you know, the, the managers don't care about that. But, and it, you know, if the player gets the most amount of money, I can understand where they're like, I've just got to do what I've got to do. But it, it's kind of sad to see when a player's, I guess their reputation can get hurt a little bit little bit in those situations. Because you don't want to see that because they're just trying no. to do their best, you know? Yeah, and I think that um, people were comparing, you know, like the possibility of Burton changing his mind mm. to the DCE situation. And I think they're very different situations. And, and the reason I say that is Burton is unproven as as a halfback leading around a first grade rugby league team mm-hmm. on a week to week basis totally unproven um at the time that DCE had committed to the Titans he was a known entity you know mm-hmm. he'd won a premiership and for him to for the Titans to sign him that was very genuinely let's rebuild or we want to build the club around this particular player yeah I think it's grossly unfair that you've got a ridiculous amount of money being thrown at young kids, you know, and I think about Burton, I think about Joseph Sawali, mm-hmm. Sam Walker's now into the picture on that, even Tom Dearden um, as well. You know, these young kids who are, you know, unproven on a week to, I mean, Sawali hasn't even played a game yet, but unproven on a week to week basis over the course of at least one full season. Yeah having so much expectation placed on them. And what does that do for their mental well-being in the long run? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Sam Walker's been playing outside of his skin since he started, mm-hmm. um, and he's really been thrust into that position out of necessity because, you know, they, they are just the casualty ward over in the eastern suburbs right now. Yeah. Um, and so that's... You know, he's lucky that having grown up around football, he, he's got that footy brain. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, Mitchell Pierce was the same. But, you know, he was damaged for a long time, if not still a little bit damaged, by being thrown into the New South Wales squad probably a bit too soon um, and not yeah. really being able to cope with that. Um, so I do, uh, you know, it, there's kind of, Two sides, well, there's more than two really, there's many aspects around what does this look like um, and I genuinely hope that all of these players, not just Burton, but they've all got good people around them who are giving them solid, solid advice or allowing them to talk through what their thought processes are um, so that they are able to make the best decision for them, whatever that looks like. Yeah, and like I, I would wonder if Burton has people that listen to him 
because I can imagine he has a thousand people in his ear right now telling him, you know, go to Canterbury, go, go, get your own team, um, take the money, stay at Penrith. You know, like he must have so many different people giving him advice. And it seems like he does genuinely want to, you know, stick to the contract he signed at the Bulldogs at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it's an interesting situation with these young players where so much expectation. You look at someone like Ponga, who, you know, he, he hardly played, to, you know, a handful of first-grade mm. games, and all of a sudden he's getting a big deal at Newcastle. You know, has that worked out for him? You could say yes in a lot of ways, but you're also seeing him, like, struggling to stay on the field. And I wonder if that's a, a case of, like, you know, if you're on big money, you've got to go out there and perform. And, mm-hmm. you know, they've thrown him at fullback. I don't know that it's been the best thing to have him having that sort of game where you look at a lot of fullbacks in the NRL, they're pretty big dudes. They're solid dudes because you're getting through a lot of work. And I, I just wonder if the, you know, it's wearing him down physically to have been thrown there at fullback. Um, you know, Suwali is a interesting situation. It looks like he might actually play this week, but we'll see. Um, and Walker, as you say, because his dad was a football player, it's a little bit different for him. I, and I think that, I, I think that's one of the reasons why he's such a good player on the field. Like, he's been around football. He, that's all he would know. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, been there when his dad has been through pressure, pressure situations. Like, it's just an environment he's pretty comfortable in. Um, but then, and then you go to the opposite end of the scale from these young players and Adam Reynolds, like, does he, does he stick with a South team that could be a premiership winner for the next few years, in the next few years? Or does he go to a club that is struggling and just take the money and know that he's not going to win a premiership again? He's going to have to be in a team that struggles. He's going to have to be the best player that cops all the attention, that cops all the criticism. But it's his last big contract and he's got to cop it, you know? And well, I, I think really... for Adam Reynolds as well, it's not mm-hmm. just about that. You know, for him, he's got a young family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's I've heard Benji talk about the fact that he did not want to leave Sydney because, yeah. you know, young family, wife ready to give birth at any point in time right now. Um, I believe Reynolds has got four or five children, maybe. Um, I could be totally wrong there, but I'm I'm sure that he's got quite a brood, um, you know, and, and you can't discount the difficulties in uprooting all of those, you know, to uprooting the family and moving to, you know, Brisbane or, yeah. you know, wherever um, and what that means, you know, settling into new schools, new sporting teams, you know, no support network for, you know, your for his wife or partner, Um yeah, all those kinds of things are, you know, obviously weighing on his mind. And he, uh, and I can understand why he was like, you know, all you have to do is change the option in your favour to the option in my favour. Yeah. You know, that, that was all they had to do. And you're kind of thinking, as I said before, they clearly have a strategy that there's, there's obviously something that is bubbling away. And if that's the case, be open and honest about it, given how this is all playing out in the media right now, because all it looks like is South Sydney being 
a bunch of assholes. Yeah, they say it's stingy. And, um, and, but if it's a case of saying this is our vision, you know, we, we do have some talent identified, we're obviously not naming who it is or, or whatever, fine. You know, and I think people would actually respect that because mm-hmm. at the moment, and I know you guys have spoken about it before, I've read it a heap of times, I've heard it in the media a heap of times, I've heard it on other podcasts, it seems, A, like you've just said, they're being stingy, but B, quite hypocritical given you've got Benji. So yeah. <laughs> if you're happy to pay Benji, why are you not happy to pay Adam Reynolds? Um, yeah. yeah, so it, it is fascinating. Um, and I think that having more transparency, if things, as soon as you have contract negotiations um, or anything to do with contracts hit the public sphere, um, you've just got to start owning it and being open and transparent because fans see right through it. Yeah, I think they do as well. And, like, it, it makes me wonder with with Burton, like, obviously the Bulldogs are desperate for him to turn up. And I feel as though if Penrith said to Burton, we'll match what the Bulldogs were offering, I think the Bulldogs would come back and offer more. Like, I think that mm. they they need him that badly. But from the Panthers' side, you do wonder, because their lower grades are, I mean, their lower grades are undefeated, you know. It, it, it's crazy how well the club is going at the moment. Mm, I think they've lost one game across four grades all season. Yeah, yeah. It was, a jersey, it was the jersey flag about three weeks ago. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I've never yeah. seen anything like it. Um, I wonder if they're not pushing too hard with Burton and kind of letting it, all sort of play out and, and letting him sort of come to his own decision because they know they've got all of these teams worth of talent. Mm. Like, and it, that's the that's the type of club Penrith should always have aimed to be, and they finally seem like they are that club where pretty much everyone is expendable, and it, uh, that's the wrong word for it, but everyone's replaceable if need be, mm. and as. You know, Burton is absolutely killing it. He feels like he is exactly what they needed out in the centres, like a bit more creativity. Um, but at the same time, if he leaves, it is far from being the end of the world for the Panthers. Oh, Whereas, correct. And, and I, look, I wonder if if Burton's management doesn't play up to it and try and get more money out of the Bulldogs, I think they're not doing their job. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, if, if look, if I'm Adam Reynolds' manager, mm. I'm actually in the Bulldogs' ear. Yeah, yeah. Going, you know, and I'm I'm saying, look, he wants two years with maybe a third in in his option, third in your option, whatever. But he wants two years. Mm-hmm. Whatever you will, you know, let Burton stay at Penrith, like as if that's not an angle you'd be working. Yeah, yeah, I you'd agree. Hundred percent, be working that angle. And Maybe I should be a player manager. <laughs> Maybe. I feel like I've lost my calling. <laughs> all, all you do, the main thing I know to be a player manager is that when you get a call and it's from the West Tigers, you always say, ah, tell them I'll get back to them in November. <laughs> and the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, I, I just find all of the, especially in this year's halves market, with so many players moving around and looking at all their options. I mean, there was a talk the other day that Sean Johnson was looking to go and play rugby union. Um, 
I really find all of this very fascinating because there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of teams with big chunks of money that they've got ready to rock and roll. And no one has really properly laid down a market. Like, it's not like the Parramatta Eels have said, we, you know, we just paid Mitchell Moses a million bucks. That's the going rate for a, an all right halfback. Mm. Because I feel like as soon as one team does it, a lot of dominoes will fall. And I feel like one of those dominoes is going to be Matt Burton to a certain extent because, you know, that contract that he signed with the Bulldogs, it's not a huge contract. He signed it when he was a, a reserve grader looking for an opportunity. And, you know, he might come out of this next couple of months as a, he might be a state of origin center. And that's a very different prospect. And, you know, that, that player demands a lot more money, I think. And, you know, I, I, I really do. I feel like the Bulldogs will, will sort that out and come to the table and make sure he hasn't got a reason to think about other options. But it, I just find it really fascinating. There's something about it that gets me. Yeah. No, and, and I mean, I was, you talk about how people choose to structure their teams and, you know, what, what is their vision? What is their strategy, et cetera? I was watching the NFL draft last mm-hmm. week. Now, that is a game where they are strategizing every day, every minute of every day, year on year. Um, you know, there is no no downtime in any of that. And it's it's bloody fascinating to see how that um, pans out in terms of, okay, well, if that, if that pick is off the table, they've just got the next one ready. That, that's what we're targeting next. And it might not even be the same position. Yeah. You know, oh, well, that quarterback's no longer available. Right, we're getting a running back. Oh, actually, no, now we're getting a tailback. Oh, actually, no, let's get special teams. Mm. So they've, they've, you know, they put a lot of thought into that. And not every NRL team does the same thing. And yeah. yet the game is just as professional. It, you know, it commands, you know, significant amounts of money from broadcasters and fans and, and the like. So... I would really love to see that level of detail across the board. Um, yeah. It, yeah it'll, be, like... it'll be really fascinating to see how this all plays out because it's certainly a halfbacks or, you know, a halves market right yeah, now. Every, sure. every couple of years there's like a bit of a, a cyclical process around what is the position most in demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the moment it's clearly genuine halfbacks. Um or genuine halves that are commanding the most money because it feels like, you know, fullbacks, wingers, centres are a dime a dozen. So, or you just turn people into those um, particular roles, mm-hmm. but you can't manufacture halves, which is, you know, what we're seeing now where teams are trying and failing. Yeah, definitely. It, you know, it, it feels like the best club in terms of, um, you know, really looking at the future of their team and and having a plan is definitely the storm. And, you know, we see it all the time. They'll lose a player and, you know, how are they going to replace Billy Slater? They won't be able to replace a Billy Slater. And they do it. They've got a Ryan, you know, a Pappenhausen ready to rock and roll. Um, They're really the best at it. And I think that Penrith are in a different position in terms of it's just overwhelming numbers. Like, I I don't think that the Panthers have to strategize too much 
just because they've got so many good juniors that, you know, you can almost, it's like throw a dart at the dartboard. They're going to hit a, a young star, you know, every so often. Um, and I think the Roosters are pretty good at it as well. Like they try and, and get all of their ducks in a row so that, you know, if this player moves on, they've got this young player that they're going to bring through. I think it's been messed up a little bit for them over the last 18 months because they've had just so many injuries. They've had to get some of these young players into first grade before I think they'd normally want them to. Um, but then at the other end of the scale you get, I mean, I, I don't know what the Broncos are doing. They seem like they're just all over the place at the moment. They Even when they produce a good youngster, they seem to be willing to let them walk. Uh, and the West Tigers, I mean, they're the, the best example of just uh, who knows what their strategy is. I, I don't understand it. And, you know, I don't think anybody else does. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting player market. And funnily enough, I think that, for the halves, I wouldn't be shocked if the rest of them kind of just stay at their teams that they're at. Like, I don't think Mitch Moses is going anywhere. I don't think DCE is going anywhere. I wouldn't be totally shocked if Souths and Reynolds did come to some sort of agreement. Um, and, and, yeah, it's it's going to be fascinating to find out as we get closer to, to June 30. I guess we'll find out and... Um, and then for the West Tigers fans, they'll find out in December who they're going to get. But <laughs> it's it's an interesting one and, and one that doesn't get talked about too in-depth, I don't think. I think that a lot of the time um, it's a lot of wild speculation and just sensationalism in the media when, you know, a lot of these players have things that they're considering that just don't get talked about, really. No, that's exactly right. And, I mean... I don't believe that the media would be sensationalising anything. Oh, no, right. <laughs> the, the Sydney Roosters today just taking it precautious, precautions, <laughs> just in case, you know. It's not even like they think anyone got COVID-19. They've just been really super cautious and it's led Twitter into a breakdown where we're, we're basically stopping everything. It's like, Twitter at the moment is kind of like what Michael Slater is. Just unhinged, <laughs> whinging and stupid and, you know, I don't know, maybe just a little bit drunk. A little, yeah, I feel like that actually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, what do you think about the Panthers at the moment? It's pretty cool to be a Panthers fan, huh? Oh, they're, they're just getting it done. I mean, it's been... It's been interesting the last few weeks in that the winds have been a little bit ugly, mm. um, and that's not a bad thing, to be yeah. fair. Um, you know, but games where you're thinking, yeah, they should absolutely just demolish these teams, they're, they're really struggling, um, uh, which, you know, is fine. I think some of that is uh, as a result of, I suppose, the hype. Um, mm-hmm. and potentially going into games thinking they may be a little bit easier than what they actually are, and I hope that they're now learning from that. Um, yeah. But um, it's pretty cool to go to home games and have, you know, full stadiums or as full as it, it's allowed to be um, mm-hmm. off the back of um, COVID restrictions and the like. Um, 
and um, uh, yeah, so um, uh, you know, if if potato hadn't complained, we'd have more people. Um, bloody potato, but you know that's you know that's pretty cool. Um, as we were just talking about the fact that the lower grades are just also smashing through a heap of gains as well and quite convincingly like I think uh it New South Wales Cup on the weekend was like 52-6 mm. over Manly mm-hmm. um Jersey Fleggers you know the one game they lost was by I think two or four points so you know everyone jokes about Phil Gould's five-year plan which took about 15 to come to fruition but <laughs> um <laughs> it's Clearly what we see, and I know you guys have spoken about it a lot before, but if you get your junior pathways and your grassroots right, yeah, this is what happens. Yeah, and, and it's crazy to think that like every other club should just be looking at what the Panthers have done with their junior development system and just saying we need to copy that because it takes pressure off your salary cap, it takes pressure off your entire first grade squad because it doesn't matter who's injured, doesn't matter who even needs just rested. Like there's always somebody there to take over. Um, and, and I just can't believe that everyone's not completely changing the way that their football clubs run because it's the way to go. And mm-hmm. like, I mean, as we, we, I said earlier, it's not as though you know, we're sitting here and saying, well, Penrith's talent identification is just second to none. You, it, They've got so many talented junior players, it's almost impossible to stuff it up. Yeah. You know, the only way they can stuff it up is if they switch off the taps and don't let these youngsters come into first grade at some point. And they're not doing that. They, they are getting them to come in through. Um, and they're, you know, when somebody can be replaced they can let you know a senior player go and it's uh it, it it really is incredible that every other club isn't just saying you know put all the money into junior development that's where it all is yeah it's um i think you guys covered it off a couple of well actually i know you did i'm just not sure how many episodes ago it was but mm. I don't think the Panthers would be holding back any kind of, unless it's commercial incompetence, mm. secrets about what it is that they're doing. Because yeah. if your grassroots are strong, then the game itself is strong. So, yeah. you know, they should be, I mean, it would be nice if I play devil's advocate, it, it would be nice to perhaps see them be proactive um, with sharing that information. Um Acknowledging that they might try to be doing that and people aren't listening or are like, no, thanks, we're fine. Um, but there's a lot to be learned. And, and there could be things that the Panthers could learn from, you know, other organisations and clubs as well. But I think the way that uh, Penrith engages with the, the regional and country areas mm-hmm. um, is probably the single biggest um What's the word I'm looking for? Difference well, they, um, yeah, between they right. what they do and what 
other clubs would do with regards to junior development. And you think yeah. about that because of, you know, it's obviously well documented and certainly last week having spent that round and that week out in Bathurst. But, you know, you've got Luke, uh, sorry, you've got, um, you know, Charlie Staines from Forbes. And by the way, every time Charlie Staines plays, that pub in Forbes puts on some kind of ridiculous deal where they must go broke or run out of beer. <laughs> um, you know, you've got Tamora, you've got um, Isaiah Yo. Uh, where's Isaiah Yo from? Um, from Dubbo? Dubbo, I think, yeah. So, you know, the way they're using that, you know, Riverina, which really should be the Raiders mm-hmm. area, um, but the Riverina, you know, all the, the Western heartland as well, um, that is what sets them apart. It's not just about what they're doing in and around the Penrith local government area. It's how they're approaching the regional areas. And obviously the NRL has finally figured that out. Um, and as you guys spoke about on the last podcast, um, clearly looking at how they get all of the NRL clubs to attach themselves to a regional area, but genuinely look to grow the game in that area, engage with the communities and look at bringing um look at bringing those players through yeah yeah and it almost it, it harps back to the original city country concept for goodness sake yeah and, like, and i it, mean it's like we've come full circle it's almost as though you know developing rugby league as a sport kind of helps rugby league at the top level who knew Fascinating, absolutely yeah. fascinating and revolutionary. Yeah. Well, you know what? We need to get somebody in the PVL's ear and say, you know what? You've had this really good idea about having teams developing players in the bush. You're another. You're, it's another genius idea, PVL. <laughs> exactly like the good right. old days. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> like the good old days. <laughs> oh man, but it, it's it's crazy fun being a Panthers fan at the moment, and. Uh, yeah, I I think a lot of these games that they're having to really fight and scrap and win, I feel like it's going to help them in the long run. Um, I think if we'd been winning these last few matches by, you know, 40 and 50 points, I think eventually there'd be a wake-up call at the end of that. And, you know, so I've been pretty happy to see them have to... I mean, they bring out the best in the Broncos the last couple of years even as bad as the Broncos have been, mm. um, it, it's been good. I think that it's been something that, you know, it also, the other thing it does, and I've talked about this a little bit before, it it makes them learn good habits. You know, those those good habits of, you know, fighting, sticking in there, it, uh, just not not giving up, you know, knowing that eventually if you, if you do get through your sets, if you've got the right kicking game, you keep your defence in order, eventually the other team will break. And it's almost the complete opposite of the lessons that some of the lower table clubs have learned. Um, you know, clubs like a Canterbury Bulldogs or a, the Brisbane Broncos where y- you see something will happen that will turn against them in the game and their shoulders drop and they just, that's it, they're broken for the rest yeah. of the match. It's a really... It's really interesting to see that contrast between the Panthers and, and other teams like that that have yeah. learnt the bad habits. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think what's going to be interesting uh, for Penrith this season, which they've not really had to contend with at all, 
mm. is origin. Yeah, yeah. And what does that look like? Now, yeah. the week before origin, so game one is, what, the 9th of June? Um, yeah, that's right. So mm. Panthers play the Tigers <laughs> um, the week before, so they'll have half a squad. Mm-hmm. missing, um, and they could probably play with half a squad on the field and still win that game. It's really even it up because the Tigers only have half a squad. <laughs> uh, and then, well, then they play the Sharks, so they'll have all their squad backing up for that, you would think. Yeah. Um, uh, then, oh, then it doesn't matter because everyone will play. But it's a it's going to be a different dynamic, mm, very the, different dynamic. Yeah, they haven't had to deal with that yet. Yeah, it's looking like they're not really going to get the significant benefit of buyers leading into state of origin. Mm, mm. Um, which you know, whatever it is, what it is, you yeah. can't control that. Um, it's a nice problem to have when you've got a lot of state of origin players. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think about, so Cleary, Capewell, Yo, uh, absolute locks, yeah. um, in my opinion. Luai's absolutely being thrown into the mix for that 5-8 um, spot. Mm-hmm. Crichton is in the mix, given he was in the squad last year for one of the centre positions, mm-hmm. although he really hasn't been playing well this season, to be honest. He's played a lot better since he's gone back to centre, Yeah. Um, but he hasn't been playing wonderfully. Um, Toto has got to be the biggest bolter for a wing spot known to mankind, and if Freddie doesn't pick him, I would be shocked. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so you're looking at five players potentially out of the mix, mm. um, possibly six. Mm. Um, if you start looking at some of your, your other edge back rowers and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, look, it is a good problem to have. Um, one that Panthers hasn't had to contend with for quite some time. Mm. But, you know, as we've just been speaking about, you know, just roll them on up. Let's just put the next... You know, we've got the conveyor belt of players. Let's put the next yeah. one in and off they go. Yeah, and see how they go. And, like, you know, it's just a numbers game. If, you know, they've got to put in five junior players and just one of them shows that they should be in first grade every week, uh, you know, it's great for the Panthers. And it's good for the game overall because then you've got, you know, we're, the Panthers are producing players for so many different clubs across the game. Even over in England, there's Panthers players running around, yep. former Panthers juniors and stuff. Um, and, and yeah, I, I just hope that we get other teams putting that same effort in and, and all that money in and and really uh, – because, you know, even if we had two or three clubs doing what the Panthers are doing with their juniors, the overall game would be so much better for it and the, and the comp would have so much more depth. It would be kind of crazy. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that um, when you're flying high, mm. the media isn't running, frankly, the bullshit story of, oh, can you believe they let that player go? Yeah, yeah. Which is sadly what the Tigers and the Broncos are having to cop right now. Yeah. Um, you can't keep everybody. No. And Penrith, I suppose, more than anybody knows that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the video that the Panthers produced for the season launch this year talks about um, we produce talent for every club in the NRL. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that's fact. It's, you know, it's not a, not a wildly out there statement. But nobody talks about, oh, can you believe that Penrith let him go? Oh, can you believe Penrith let him go? Because there's yeah. just somebody else that pushed harder and, and fought for the spot. I mean, obviously, there was a bit of that with letting potentially Tarmel, but certainly Mansour. Yeah, um, definitely. But how, how, you can't keep everybody, you know. Like, you keep Mansour, then what happens? You know, potentially you don't keep Crichton, you don't keep Charlie Staines, you, you know, and they're the young players that – you need to be able to foster. You need to be able to have the money to to be able to keep those players because they're the future of your club. So, um, yeah, but that that narrative isn't necessarily being um, spruced as hard because you know top of the table affords you the opportunity to uh, not have those stories written about you. Yeah, that it goes from being like, oh, the like, oh, they're making terrible decisions to. Well, it's just bloody arrogant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I must say that there was a um, – in the last couple of weeks, I've thought about screenshotting some of our chats and just putting it on Twitter, some of the appropriate ones, mind you, and putting on Twitter saying, um, if only all of you could be um, in this chat with us or something like that because some of our conversations just as arrogant. Arrogance, arrogant. Arrogant, arrogant. Ar- yeah. Can you believe the arrogance? <laughs> Uh, how about that arrogant try? Did you see that arrogant, you know, conversion? Oh my God! How dare they kick a field goal? Yeah. <laughs> There's actually they've they've brought a new thing out on Twitter where I think you've got to have it's 500 or 600 followers, and you can set up a it's basically a live audio feed, and you can fill up the room this audio feed with other people in the room. And you can unmute their microphones and talk about what's going on. Oh, wow. You know, and the way I've looked at it is it will be really cool to do after games. Yeah. Um, so, like, I don't know if I'll try it out tonight or if I'll do it for after the Panthers game or whatever, but it's something for, that uh, people should look out for. It comes up as, you know, the... Um, oh man, I don't even know what they call it, but you know, when you open your app and you've got the little circles across the top, yeah, and it's got like stories and stuff, it will look like that. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, and uh, it'll be, you'll, I guess, when you click on it, you'd be able to hear either me or Andrew having a yap about whatever's gone on in a game. Oh, yeah, yeah, and what I would like to actually do is um, open up one of those things after certain games get people to come in and just, you know, unmute them and say, what did you think about the game, you know, what yeah. you about stuff. So that'll be something Especially cool. if there's been something particularly controversial or, yeah. you know, big injury or, yep. you know, a deafening win by the Panthers. Yeah, yeah. With an arrogant two-point field goal. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so much fun to be a Panthers fan. If you're not a Panthers fan and you've got this far in the podcast, you've done well. You're probably, yeah. you know... Oh, we've spoken about the Broncos. We've spoken about the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm, spoken about South. It's okay. Sense. We did tried touch to, on. Tried to share the love. How badly are we going to be at the Eels? We have to wait until round, I think, 14 or 16, one of those. Um, yeah. I can't wait to flog the Eels. 
Um, yeah, actually, because my daughter is dancing at that game, and I remember oh. thinking, oh, that's a really interesting game for them to do that. So it's called the Dance Extravaganza, and they have about 30-odd local dance schools that all come together to do a performance on the field at halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually aligned with Hertz, um, Mm -hmm. obviously being one of the Panthers' major sponsors. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they usually support this dance extravaganza every year. Um, And uh, whenever they're the game day, assigned game day sponsor is when they do this dance extravaganza. Now, um, the game day sponsorship piece, uh, from what I've been told by um, a couple of people I know who have contacts with the Panthers, um, it's drawn out of a hat. So, um, you know, this year Hertz have been extremely fortunate to be the game allocated game day sponsor for the Battle of the West. Now, that's the number one ticket in town. Yeah. You know, you will not get, I mean, not that you can get a seat to any Panthers games right now, but you will not get a seat to that game. Mm. Um, and I thought previously it's always been some bludger of a game on like a Thursday night, usually against the West Tigers or, yeah. you know, one of those real unflattering time, either time frames or teams like in yeah. terms of opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they've got to give out tickets, because they've got to give a ticket to the child who is dancing. Yeah. And they give one other ticket to for a parent to obviously um bring their kid mm-hmm. um you know and there's about 300 odd kids so yeah. that's 600 tickets yeah on average that they have to give away so they're comps you know and they don't obviously don't want to really give out comps if they don't have to yeah um but when it's a thursday night at eight o'clock against the tigers oh well who cares that's yeah, more exactly. bums on seats but yeah. the fact that they're doing this in the number one game of the season when they cannot actually physically sell any more tickets to any more games right now, it's going to be electric. Yeah. It really, it really will be electric. I can't wait. Yeah, neither can I. It's uh, it's the game that's on the horizon that it, it, it's really the next marker that we've got to beat is the Eels. So the only other team that is a, a real contender that, you, you know, and South too, I guess, but... I feel as though Souths are running into a few problems at the moment and I don't think we're really going to see Souths at their best until the finals once again. Um, yeah, we've got yeah. Souths in a couple of weeks. Yeah, but they're going to be with... Oh, I mean, that's in Dubbo. Like, that counts. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and have you ever been to one of those games where they play at Dubbo or... or oh, uh, I, us- I would usually go to the Bathurst game. Yeah. But I, I couldn't go this week, uh, this last week. Um, cause my daughter's dance schedule, but ordinarily, especially from Penrith, it's a two hour trip. I mean, some days it takes me two hours to drive to work. So, That's true. um, yeah, so ordinarily we would go to Bathurst and it's actually super fun. It's really, oh, really? really great. And I've got family that live out in Bathurst and uh, mm-hmm. the way that the community actually rallies around and what the kids get out of it is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. and I have done, uh, once upon a time when they used to do city country, um, I did do City Country in Mudgee once. That was less fun, but um, Dubbo's interesting, though. What do you, it's an interesting what do you have choice. against Mudgee? Pardon? What do you have against Mudgee? I just don't like the wines from Mudgee. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it just comes down to the wine. I prefer the wines from the Hunter Valley, so therefore Mudgee's now tarred. I tarred Mudgee with the, the I don't like the wines from Mudgee brush. Yeah, you know what? I'm the same with Tam- Tamworth. I think. <laughs> Don't start. You led yourself down that garden path. I was just going to say, 
I don't like the boxes that the wines come in from Tamworth. <laughs> you don't like the road into Tamworth, but the road out is perfectly fine. It's fantastic. The road <laughs> out of there, you can get out of there really quickly. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Yeah, so it's round 16 mm, um, okay. that the Panthers play the Eels. Yeah. And yeah. that's like that's the Friday night 8 o'clock game. So it's it's absolute blue chipper. I can't wait to uh, – I've got a Eels follower – on my Twitter list called Emma, and uh, she's a big Eels fan. She goes to a lot of the games. I can't wait until we beat the Eels so I can just give her grief for the next 12 months. I know. It will be delightful. It will. It will. Very delightful. But uh, um, And so now that, um, now that we've got Raiders who have fallen off a cliff face with regards to their – Back of house crap being very much out in the public sphere. Yeah. We've got the Roosters being an absolute casualty ward. Yeah. Um, and they were in a lot of people's kind of top six, potentially mm-hmm. pushing for the premiership. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think steps into those particular spots? Because really, it's it's cut and dry. In my opinion, you've got Panthers, Melbourne. Uh, Eels South as a clear top four. Yeah. Um, but who who moves up to I suppose compensate for the Roosters? I think the Roosters will still make the eight. Yeah. Um, but the Raiders, I mean, the Raiders are just they're absolutely falling apart at the seams. Yeah, it's weird. I, like I I wasn't really high on the Raiders going into the season, so like. But I, you would have still thought they would make the eight. Oh, definitely, 100%. And, look, I still think they probably will. It's hard to say, like, uh, because I still think it's – I don't know about the Eels yet. I need to see the Eels beat the Panthers when the Panthers are on song. So – but I and I still think the Panthers, Rabbitohs and Storm are the teams to beat. Mm -hmm. But, like, you look at, though, that underneath the top four, like the Dragons are in sixth place, the Warriors are in seventh. Mm -hmm. And the Titans are in eighth. No one would have picked that. No one in the world. Oh, and no, I had Titans in my eighth. Did you? Yep. I think I had them in eighth. I, and I, I definitely didn't have the Dragons in there and I didn't have the Warriors in there. Yeah, the Warriors the have Dragons been eighth. have shown recently, though, that they are mixed and they yeah. will drop down the ladder now. I think so, too. But I, I think that the Raiders will push their way up and... Geez, after that, like I maybe Man- I reckon Manly. Manly's the Smokies. I feel like Manly is just in some good form, and I think they're going to fall away at the end of the year. That's how what I feel. They'll, about. they'll. I, I agree. I think they'll. They're not going to push for anything significant. I do yeah. think though that if you look at the, so St George will drop out of the eighth. Yeah. Um, Warriors and the Titans look. They could scrap it out for a position. Mm-hmm. Really, I think you've got Warriors, Titans, Raiders, Manly, maybe Newcastle. Yeah, you know, Newcastle's Knights, too injury-ridden. Yeah, um, the Knights have been super disappointing too. Like, yeah, so I think St. George will fall way down. They'll they'll fall away now, and particularly missing Zach Lomax for the next six weeks. Yeah. You get it? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the Warriors, Titans, Canberra, Manly, I think they'll scrap it out for – the those three spots like six seven eight they'll be the yeah. ones fighting it out for that bottom 
bottom part of the draw or bottom part of the eight at least. I just can't I, I can't get over how good the Warriors are. The improvement from last year, where like there were there were points last year they were literal no hopers, mm. um, and they're really one team that like. I just, I'd never thought they'd be as good as they are so far this year. I hope they can keep it up because if they made the finals, it would just be awesome. Like that would be, it would be so good. It would be mm. really, really good. Um, one thing, looking at the ladder, and this mm. always bothers me as well. Mm-hmm. You can tell I'm a little bit of a purist when I say this. Mm-hmm. It really irritates me that you can have a negative differential and make the final series. Yeah, I get that. Oh, I just I don't care if you make the top eight. Mm-hmm. It should be a rule that you need to have a positive differential. <laughs> that should be better. I, God, it irritates me. <laughs> that would be really weird if they made that the rule, hey? How good would it be, though? <laughs> oh. PVO, that's something PVO would think of doing, though. Don't you worry. He probably already has. That would be <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> just go back to an old school top five. So I like the top eight. I th- I think that I think the problem with the top five is if it was a top five, the season would be over in about two weeks from now. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> it is as long as your team's in number one place. Like exactly. Yes. No, I mean look, top five is obviously I'm being facetious when I say that, but it is one of those things where it irks me that mm. even last year you think about the sharks. Yeah. I mean. They were a net zero team. Yeah. They were equal win, equal loss, points differential was zero. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the very definition of mediocre. Yeah. And they still made the finals. And I just think that's shit. Yeah, <laughs> absolute, I, I get Like, that. absolute shit. I get that. I get that. It's so, uh... and, and then you look at, you know, you're looking at the ladder, mm-hmm. South sitting third. Um, equal points with Parramatta, only third on points difference, mm. yet their points difference is significantly less than the Roosters and Melbourne, yeah. who are, and Parramatta's is less as well than Roosters and Melbourne, who are sitting below them on the ladder. Yeah. I mean, so, and look, I get it, you know, a win is a win and that's more important, but it just, uh, I'm always, you know, it's one of those numbers things that I look at and I think that's, oh, it's interesting. I find it quite interesting that, you can either have a really close game or a really blowout score, mm-hmm. and that could be the difference between between you making the top four, not making the top four, you know, or making you know, the top eight, not making the top eight. I've got a question for you as a Panthers fan. Right, mm-hmm. last year we lose the grand final after being on that winning streak, and I don't think, I personally don't think that was a choke job. I just think it was it was what it was like. It's the Melbourne Storm. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a bit of a different situation. And I think that the Panthers obviously got off to a terrible start in that game, and that's what happens. You can't give the Melbourne Storm a start. Mm-hmm. It, with everything set up the way it is, I think the Storm are not quite what they were last year. I think the Eels have yet to prove themselves. I think that Souths have these little times in games where they just look like they're cruising a little bit, and I think that that will worry uh, Wayne Bennett a bit. If we have a season where we, let's say we lose three games this year, but we mm-hmm. win the final premiership and we don't win the grand final, is it a choke job? Yeah. I agree. 
hundred percent. If we don't, if we yeah. don't win the minor premiership this year, mm-hmm. it's a fail. Yep. At a minimum, at a minimum, if Panthers do not win the minor premiership again, this year is a failure. And that's yeah. the kind of crap that I know Ivan would not want the team to hear or buy into or mm-hmm. anything. Surely behind closed doors, they would have to be thinking something similar. Um, it, it would take something like, it would take something, some catastrophic injuries, like half a dozen injuries or and. You know, for me to think if we don't win the grand final, we, uh, you know, that's fine. It's, yeah. it's all right. You'd have to look at it that way. But yeah, as it's set up right now and with what I'm seeing from other teams, uh, they have to win the, the premiership this year or it's a choke job. Especially when yeah. you look at the overall two seasons back to back and what they've done in both of them, you know, it's, you, you can't win this many games and have the one loss in the grand final and not come out of a period like this without a title. Yeah. You just become, you just become the new Greg Norman choking in the masters meme. Like that's, and that's what it would be. It's yeah. already happening. Like, yeah. I mean, and it doesn't help when everyone puts out the, you know, Oh, this is the Panthers blah consecutive win. And everyone jumps on and goes, Oh, except for the grand final. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. We fucking know that some of us sat in the cold and the rain and the wind and witness that shit firsthand. <laughs> I'd have been there with you, but I was too busy bloody dying. <laughs> I don't. Yes, that's right. I don't need to be reminded of this fact. <laughs> yeah, I, I was so gutted I couldn't go. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, that's it's interesting you agree with me on that because I've been thinking that more and more, especially as these other teams are running into problems. And look, I we will probably run into problems ourselves, but I, I just think with the way it's all set up right now. Um, if we don't win the title this year, I actually will be really, really disappointed in the club. I know. And that's why, this is why every, like last week I was nervous about the Manly game. Mm-hmm. I'm really nervous about this game. And I was listening to another podcast yesterday afternoon and they were going through the round preview and they were like, oh, you know, Panthers by 30. And I was like, no, don't say that <laughs> sharks are just one of those teams and everybody says it where they drag you down to their level and they yeah. beat you with experience because they've just got you in the mud where they want you and they do it better than everybody else so um you know but it's just i don't know it's one of those things that you know they say you know the more you win the closer you are to a lost kind of Mm-hmm. mentality and I just I get very nervous about these kinds of games where, where the footy as well mm. oh man we're gonna flog the sharks <laughs> 13 plus <laughs> but they won't score against us it'll be great oh god <laughs> what are you doing to me oh just you know I'm just you're killing me now I'm my anxiety's just gone through the roof <laughs> so, um, according to Sportsbet, Panthers are a dollar eight with Sharks eight dollars. Are they eight dollars? <laughs> yeah. And oh, Panthers good. are the shortest odds of any team this week. Yeah, it's weird how um, short some of the odds have been for teams this year. Uh, eight bucks—that's pretty good value for the Sharks with this rain. It's been raining all day out here in Western Sydney. Yep. But yeah. you know what? That means the Panthers have been training in it. That's true. That's true. 
hate to be Captain Obvious about this, but (laughs) (laughs) they're kind of based here. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, Um, it's been... It's been wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you. We'll, it's been we'll get, a delight. We'll get you back on uh, sometime very soon because it's been way too long since you're on last. Yes. I think it was last, was it, was it last year? Last year in the final series, I uh, think. It was, you know what, it was in the lead up to the grand final. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. And then, then we lost the grand final and we didn't talk about it. <laughs> we, just, we just buried it. Yeah. Buried it, buried it. We've been talking about other things. <laughs> celebrities at football games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you've got to spot them celebrities at football games. <laughs> and accurately describe them too. Exactly. Um, so where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at NLC081. Mm-hmm. Um, and when... Andrew decides to give me the password Mm. for the Instagram account, I will then be able to also start running the Instagram account for you guys. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about it. I think we talked, maybe talked about it on podcast. Yeah. Like three times, but Andrew can't find the password. So now I'm just like, well, maybe just I'll reset it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's what he has to do. He's got to reset it. And then uh, like, if you're listening to this, Andrew, come on, man, you got to get it sorted. He'll be listening on the train. Yes, cursing the Dan Andrews government about something. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and being pissed off about daylight saving, but that's a whole other story. Oh, that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. Now, where Don't can we up. find you? We, uh, well, you know what? I'm on Twitter as well. I'm at League Freak. No spaces. Uh, where else can you find me? Leaguefreak.com. That's another place you can find me. Uh, and I've also got a Facebook page, but it's just really updates on my website. So just go to my website. Very good. Yeah. That's where all, all the independent journalism takes place. It is, yeah, yeah. And there's no stupid ideas like promotion and relegation in the NRL. or <laughs> Conferences. Any fucking bullshit like that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, thank you for coming on. And we will have you back soon. And thanks for everyone for listening. And uh, we'll put out the next episode probably in the next couple of days. So uh, thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everyone. See ya.